as Dustin would say, I think we're live. Is this thing on? This thing is definitely on. Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural episode of Taking Stock. This is a hobby content collaboration between the Sports Cards Live and the Sports Card Dad YouTube channels. It is Monday night, May the 15th, 2023. My name is Jeremy Lee, and my co-host is... I am Dennis Zender, PC at DPZ. My name is DPZ. Welcome, friends. All right. Well, Dennis, here we go. Our first time streaming this show, taking stock together. I'd like to thank all the loyal viewers, listeners of Sports Cards Live. And on behalf of yourself and Dustin, thank everybody for their great subscribership and viewership of the Sports Card Dad YouTube channel, which I've been watching for over three years now. If you are not yet subscribed to either channel, please take a moment and do so. And as always, in any show, any live stream that I'm involved in, your comments, your questions are in play. We'll get to as many as we can. We are streaming to both channels, so we'll see how we are able to manage the chat as it comes through. Dennis, this show is called Taking Stock. Why don't we go through quickly, why are we calling the show Taking Stock? To your best understanding. Well, it's, you know, it's a great question, Jeremy. I think uh, this is, I'd like to think this is the first international show in the hobby space we got me you know representing the good old united states and you've got yourself representing um our lovely canada but my mother's canadian so i have a lot of affiliation or a lot of connections there the taking stock what i think in my mind when i came when dustin um you know a little brief history on myself coming over from the luca tiger braun network a wonderful little uh venture there i thought you know yeah, the, the Collector Series show is fun, but I just love these live environments. And who better for a live environment? I know that Dustin does a lot of live shows, and Jeremy Lee is the king of live, in my opinion. I know you'll never say that, and you're a humble guy, but you just do it so well. And I'm like, gosh, going live would be fun. Having a live show where anything anything goes. You could have the comment section drive the energy of the show, the questions, and, and have them contribute in a way that's, that's special. It makes it like when you tune in, you might be part of the show. Your question might be focused on for 10 minutes. I always thought that was fascinating when I watched live hobby shows. So taking stock really dives into the fact that we want to, you and I are going to have takes on the hobby, on different pressing, you know, situations that are happening or news or, or anything that's going on in the hobby. We're going to have takes on these, these, these subjects where it's not just so much, in, you and I are both used to interviewing people. Well, now we're just going to be talking with each other, having a conversation about sports cards every, every week and the hobby community in our comment section is gonna have an opportunity to contribute. So that's what taking stock means to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Taking stock represents the takes that we will have. Stock represents cardboard stock. It, it's the cards are made out of card stock. So I thought, you know, those two words work well together, but they also convey a message that we're going to take stock on things. We're going to take stock like you would take stock on your inventory in your business and right. see, make sure that everything is is the way it should be. We're going to take stock on hobby topics. And so you mentioned you have done the collector series. You started off in the Luca, Lucas Tigers and Bronze Network with Cage and Andrew. They've split up. You then took your show over to the Sports Card Dad Network, working with Dustin, and then the three of us were actually going to do this, but Dustin's pretty busy. He's got a lot on his schedule. So we said, we're going to continue with this. We're going to, we're going to forge ahead and do it. And we're going to stream to both channels. So for everybody listening, everybody watching, that is sort of how this thing came about. And our mission for this, Dennis, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but we have two different 
ex, you know, experiences in the hobby. So what is your understanding of what the mission of taking stock is outside of just talk what you mentioned before? Yeah. No, that's a great question. So for me, I'm more of a novice in, in the hobby. I, I came back in 2019. I think there's a big segment of our hobby that were reintroduced to cards in the hobby space around that time. Before COVID, I mean, maybe maybe 2017 to 2020, there was a there was a segment of folks coming in, from what I've learned, and then you know, 18, 19, right there. Then COVID, all of a sudden, you got this big migration of people coming into the hobby. So you have a lot of people that don't, they just don't understand the history of the hobby. They might remember buying packs of of 89 Donruss baseball cards at the gas station, or 89 Opeachy hockey cards. Um, and, and those might be the memories they have. And so, you know, the nineties, the inserts, the early two thousands, LeBron, you know, the, the cup, you know, the, the cup cards for the, for the art, the true RPAs of, of some of these hockey players and hockey stars, if you're getting back into your hockey cards again, um, these are, you're just, it's like, there's so much to learn. There's so much to know and understand. And now you layer on the fact that there's, you know, there's, there's alterations there's restoration. We're going to talk about that. You have authentication of cards. You have all these third-party grading companies, third-party grading companies. The point is there's a lot of stuff to digest as a new entrant into the hobby. And then you have yourself. So I represent that crowd. And Jeremy, I feel like, represents the more seasoned collector. He's been in the game for a long time, many, many, many years, decades. So he has a wealth of knowledge to share and to tackle from that perspective. When you have an issue happening in the hobby, you're going to have, you know, my take's going to have a different feel to it. I think some of the time Jeremy might have a different take on it because of the fact that he's got this experience, a different lens. He might be looking through to, you know, to identify the issue or maybe unpack the question where I might be a bit more ignorant to why and the what and the how. Um, So, yeah, I think, and I think there's a lot of uh, knee jerk reactions. There's a lot of uh, armchair quarterbacking going on in, in our society, much less our hobby. And so I think it's interesting to sit back and kind of digest some of these things that are going on. That's my thought. Yeah, well, well said. You know, while I, I have been in this hobby for over 40 years, I don't know a lot of kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff that went on historically. I've heard stories and rumors, but, you know, you, you tend to pick up more and more things as you talk to more and more people. I've done over 380 live stream interviews with over 250 unique guests. So I do have a, you know, and that's all in the last three years and a month. So built up my, my knowledge base, but there's a ton that I don't know, just like there's a ton that everybody out there doesn't know. Let's go to some comments right now, as I like to do traditionally on my shows, Mid-Atlantic Sports Cards left this 45 minutes before we went live. Said, I feel the trimming debate just leapfrogs the issue of authentication. I worry much more about buying a fake card than a trim card. I would be devastated if I found out one of my babies was fake. It's funny. I call them my babies too. Yeah, I, I have real babies, kids, but yeah. I call cars my babies too. I think that's a that's a reasonable position to take. He goes on to say it's a given the it's a is it a given the graders can always stay ahead of crooks producing counterfeits. 84, 1984 Star 101 Jordans, 86 Fleer number 57 Jordans. The values create a huge economic incentive to invest in the best counterfeiting tech. My thoughts on this is that we can only stay, we can only stay ahead of the counterfeiters to the extent that we have we have known counterfeits in the market. You don't, we don't know. There could be lots of counterfeits floating around that are unknown. They're so good. 
We don't know. How would we know if they're that good? So it's a tough, it's a tough situation that Mid-Atlantic puts out there, but it's something that I think we definitely want to get better at as a hobby. Uh, Victory Investments. Sean says, I hit the like button one minute before the show started. Justin Godfrey coming in from the Sports Car Dad channel. Good evening, Justin. Philly Joe, good to see you. Buffus Sports Card Collecting. What is up? My first time being in this too, so I'm looking forward to what you guys have to say. So are we. We're looking forward to what we have to say as well. Yeah. The professor says, this is my first one-of-one YouTube episode I've attended. It was founded upstairs to a pizza shop not too far away from my home. Pretty neat. 90s hockey, chasing majors. Welcome to the show. Todd McDonald, Clemente Collector is here. Chad Shipper, Brendan Ryan. My gosh. Tom Grant, is it too late for trimming and restoration? Much of what can be altered already has been. I. That's an interesting question, Jeremy. What do you think? I wonder... I noticed this. I noticed this comment when you were you're running your introductions, and I'm like, "Gosh, Tom, that's a really good question." Because okay, now is there's one thing when there's an exposure when when there's an exposure event. Let's call what happened with Evan an exposure event for a lot of people. I know you know there's probably a lot of folks that have been in this hobby for many years going, "Yeah, we've known about that for many years." But I think there's a big chunk of the hobby that this is sort of an exposure event for them. Trimming. What do you mean that there's there could be some cards that I have that are trimmed, you know, what is that about? I don't understand. How would I know? How do I check against that? Just like with the fake slabs and, and with different uh, grading companies, you can look and see, okay, this, it needs to look like this for it, for it to be identified as fake or altered. Well, with trimming for the naked eye, you can't tell. It doesn't look small in the holder or whatever you want to say. That is scary. Cause now I don't think any of us really have that ability to, to check it. And if it got past the grader, then now we're going, okay. So are people going to continue trimming? That's a great question. Is it going to happen? Or are we going to be looking at, okay, it's going to keep happening because it's been happening. Un, un, I mean, no one's, no one knows. You can't spot it anyway. So how good are they? I don't know. What do you think, Jeremy? I feel like well, it may I, not I continue to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to say it's not too late because that could almost be construed as incentivizing people. No, it's not too late. You know, you, you can still do it. I'd like, I'd like to be able to say, you know, and, and believe myself that it's too late, you know, no, there's no more trimming that can be done. I would love that to be the situation, but I think the reality of, of the situation is that there's still lots of raw cards out there and, you know, and there's lots of graded cards out there that are, are potentially improvable based on some modification of them. Again, we, we don't want to be coming off as, as saying is encouraging or incentivizing at all. We are, we are both dead against trimming cards. So uh, it's, but it, it is an interesting question, Tom. And uh, thank you for that. He goes on to say the next step will be someone able to mass produce modern cards and getting them slabbed. Then maybe folks will wake up to all the nonsense. I mean, now we're, so, you know, we're, we're talking about counterfeits now versus maybe just trimming and restoration and alteration and modification. But I believe that there will be, if the manufacturers want to do it, there will be a way to completely eliminate counterfeit cards going forward, like cards from this year forward or whatever year forward, but not going back in time because those are already out there. So, well, okay. Think about when, okay, let's think about Experian. When Experian had the data hack and a lot of customers, millions of customers had their identity stolen. What does a company like Experian do? I'll tell you what they do. They go hire the most technical um, sound, strong, you know, 
they're never going to have an event like that happen again. Basically, they they turn into probably a more reliable and safe bet for housing your credit information because of the event. Now, will that does that does that same kind of thing happen with the graders, the grading third party grading companies? Are there going to be is there going to be new technology that recognizes to an nth of a degree whether a card has been altered? trimmed of any i mean trimmed we're talking about trimmed right or any sort of like uh fraudulent i mean fraudulent's a big word but any any that kind of activity has existed moving forward will that be implemented i mean there's learning there's there's development of that technology that has to occur um i know i'm, I'm bleeding into a very awesome opportunity for you to talk about <laughs> but i think i think that that is what i would like to see as a hobby participant the grading companies go look this is an issue it's always been an issue we are developing technology that is going to make it very difficult for this to ever happen again i, I don't know but then will we know whether it's even working or not i think that's i think that is uh in the future for the hobby i, I really do think i think it has to be so I think so. Uh, Professor talks about counterfeit labels. So basically counterfeit slabs. We That came up in my show with Jason Koontz on Saturday night. We can get a bit to, more, a bit to that a bit more a little bit later. What's up, Puna Butta? Good to see you. Says, I come across fakes and trim cards all the time, mostly Pokemon recently. That's interesting with those rounded corners. I would think it's easier to, to, to identify a trimmed card. Can't speak to fakes myself. I don't have a lot of experience with those. Mookie Chilson, what's going on? Monday not Monday Monday night raw cards. I love it. Tom Grant says when PSA published standard sizes for each card they grade, they opened the floodgates to altering every oversized card in existence. I don't. Yeah, Tom Grant, I hear you, but I don't think that that's a new thing that came when grading became a thing. I think that existed in the pre-grading era too. People did know that a standard card size was two and a half by three and a half inches, but it might have you know, made more people alert to it and, and some light bulbs went off in some people's heads. Clemente Collector says, trimming isn't restoration, it's altering. That's 100% correct. Let's go through these definitions, Dennis, because I did, you know, all right. So here, here are the definitions. There's four definitions that I thought were interesting. We have restoration, alteration, preservation, and modification. Those are the four those are the four terms that I come across the most. I think I think some of them are interchangeable with each other. Restoration, bringing back to a former position or condition, a reconstruction of the original form. This is from Webster's, by the way. So, so clearly, as Clemente Collector astutely says, trimming is not restoration. It's something different, perhaps alteration, but it's not restoration. Restoration, bringing it back to a former position or condition. Well, by removing something, you're 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 not bringing it back to the way it was. It was never like that. So restoration, alteration, to make different. If you're gonna remove part of the card. You are making it different in some way. Preservation, which I think is misused in our hobby. Preservation means, according to Webster's, to keep safe from injury, harm, or destruction. So to me, putting that's it in like, a protective holder. That's like, is yeah, it's like yeah, it's like slab in a card. That's keeping it out of the light. Yeah. Right. Protecting. These are just the common sense things about keeping your cards safe these days. Back in, you know, back before the hobby was all really before almost Beckett magazine was first published. People didn't care so much about the condition of their cards or protecting them. 
We use them for games. We put them in the spokes of our bicycle wheels. I did this in the early 80s myself. So that is uh, preservation is just protecting your cards, in my opinion, and according to Webster's. And then finally, modification, the making of a limited change in something. So I think that trimming a card is altering and I think it's alteration and modification. And we can get into different examples of doing things to cards and where do they fall within these four definitions. Uh, before we do that, though, let's go through. Uh, oh, boy, oh, boy, Dennis, the comments are already getting out of control. But let's try a few more of them here. Uh, OK, things to do. Spooning corners. <laughs> so spooning corners is a way to clean to, to clean up a corner as i've recently okay. learned what's up what's up baseball card curmudgeon that is baz dan the card man who actually i saw today did a a bit of a uh what do we call them reaction video to my show mm -hmm. on saturday with jason coon says people will always trim cards i think the outcome will be some of the newer returning collectors start focusing more on buying the card rather than the slab well i think dan and dennis i want your take but Number one, I hope Dan is right. And number two, I hope he's only half right. I hope the other half is that everybody starts to do this. Why just the new people? Everybody, the, the most experienced collectors who are only buying holders need to look at the slab. What do you think? I think Collector Canada gets it down there. There's a comment down there I, I, re I read that, I, that resonated with me. Um, I think all these scandals will force people to educate themselves a lot more about trimming fake slabs, fake patches, et cetera, which will only be good for the hobby overall. And I do think that's important. It kind of goes back to that point. Okay, now Experian gets the hack. Now they have all this wonderful technology that's going to limit that happening again. Other companies learn from that. So they beef up their technology. So I think because an event happens that's that's unfortunate, it, re it forces the whole industry as a whole to sort of pivot and get ahead of it. This is going to make all of these, all of us that are looking at cards I mean, how many of you now, when you go look at a card that you want and covet, that could fall into that category of as a higher, it's a valuable card from an era where maybe trimming was being known to happen. We're all thinking about that now when we look at a card. None of us are going, oh, here's a card. I'm not even going to think about trimming. I looked at all my cards. I went back and looked at all my cards in my PC after I watched the Jason, the, the Jason Kunson. I mean, when I saw the Evan one, the Jason one, I went back and I, I looked through all my cards going, I can't tell. Ooh, I hope it, I hope they're okay. But I think what it does, though, and what Dan is, is alluding to, is that now we're going to be a more educated hobby. So things may continue to happen, but it's going to make us really look at the card. And maybe what he's saying, and Dan, you can tell us if we're, we're heading on the right direction here, is that it, maybe it's not always PSA. Maybe it's TAG. Maybe it's SGC. Maybe it's ISA. Maybe it's all these different companies that we're like, hey, I just this card looks really good. I trust it. I'm going to buy it. I'm not going to worry so much about the value associated with particular grader i could be wrong yeah lots lots there to unpack and and as you're as you're sharing your take i'm looking i'm looking at all these comments coming through and there there are some good ones uh that we've seen and dennis i mean i don't even know where to start with these but there's 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 one I'm, i want to skip ahead to the mangini's collection comment right here if we are going to buy the card and not the slab then why do we need the slab and I think that's a that's a fair question, but in my opinion, the slab is you know here here's here's the thing is that why did slabs come into existence in the first place? It was to give people comfort 
in buying cards sight unseen, not in person, over the internet. We had the advent of the internet. All of a sudden, you get online marketplaces like eBay, and then people are buying cards raw, and it's easy for the seller to not mention a crease or not mention this or that defect on the card. Third-party grading, i.e. The, the slab, gave people comfort to buy. It's like an audit report on a set of financial statements. You're trusting that third-party assessor of the item. And I think that I think that's why we have it. It also just helps you to understand what the card's condition is from an analytical perspective. Now, I'm not taking anything away from someone like Mangini, who I'm aware of and has a great collection and can probably grade a card himself. But I would ask the Mangini collection, do you own any graded cards yourself? And or or is this a rhetorical question? Or are you saying, why do we even collect them? Why does anyone collect them? And I, I'm not sure. I'm not that familiar with his collection. He does go on to say here, Dennis, though, that I think that people are missing the bigger picture. If PSA can't tell trimmed cards this often, then why the hell are people spending thousands with them? And I wonder if that's just, you know, is that just PSA? Is it all the grading companies? I'm not sure. But Dennis, what do you think? I, I think that's a very, very important question. And I mean, I've, I've, I have a mostly PSA collection, PSA 10s, it's Griffey. It's very focused. Um, yeah, I'm paying a premium for some of these PSA 10 serial number 90s insert cards. But I mean, the reason I buy, the reason I bought PSA is because I, I feel like long-term, the value will hold better in that, than that holder. A lot of them are newer, newer labels, meaning they were, they were graded recently. Um, but ultimately, as a new guy coming into the hobby, what I learned about raw cards are scary because depending on the kind of card you buy, if I want to buy some of these cards, it's difficult for me. And I'll borrow from your episode you have with Jason. You don't buy a Mickey Mantle, 52 tops Mickey Mantle on Craigslist from, from Bob living down the street. You want to buy from a reputable seller, a reputable marketplace. I want it. I want the. I want to know the card is authentic. Now that opens up a whole other can of worms. I know the whole. Everybody's gonna. Have, well, you don't really know for there's cards that aren't authentic. Yes, but I think there's a higher likelihood that PSA will get it right, or or BGS or or SGC or TAG or anybody else than Dennis Zender, who doesn't know. And maybe if, even if I was really good, I, you could still get fooled. That's the part of all this that kind of frustrates me because it makes it like a, there's almost two ways you go. You go, well, I guess we'll just never know. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Or what can I do to be better educated and attack this and go, okay, if I'm going to have these cars and spend this kind of money on them, I want to make sure they're real. They're authentic. The grade's nice and it's very important. But to me, being in the holder represents the authentic, knowing that the card is actually authentic. Well, and let's yes, but it but there's too many times, and I think uh, I think it was uh, Mangini below in a comment that says the third party is wrong too often. So the word in this comment from Mr. Mangini that I want to focus on is the word too. The second last word. How often is it? Do we know? I don't think we know, but we have maybe a gut feel. Like is one percent too? Is it one percent? And if so, is that too often? Or are they getting it wrong 10% of the time? I don't think it's that high. I think it's in that 1% range, you know, zero to you know, like, like 0.01 to 2%, if even 2%. I don't know what that is. Curious what some other people think. But, you know, what is too often? 
is it like one time is, is is maybe too often but here's the thing about do we the hobby have unrealistic expectations on the grading companies should right. we be should should we be more tolerant of them getting it wrong because it's a hard job it's it's been proven to be hard and there's even the there's even the comment that we had come in right over here as i stall to find it again uh right here from chasing majors trimming sucks but companies like psa helped desensitize collectors with their lack of removing the most famous trim card from their database the first card graded by psa the the 19 1909 t206 honus wagner that was once owned by wayne gretzky and bruce mcdall was then sold by them to i believe like a walmart chain they had a contest uh i think a, a mail carrier won it in florida and then she sold it, and now it's changed hands several times since then. I believe it rests within the Ken Kendrick collection now. And but so this desensitized—that's the word in this in this comment that I really want to hone in on, Dennis. Do you think that the hobby is desensitized to this? Because I know what people I talk to hate trimming; they're not desensitized to it. But some people maybe are, which leads into another topic we'll get to. But what do you think? I mean, that's a loaded question. I don't know. I mean, in my circles, it's 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 just a no go. There's a hard line in the sand when it comes to trimming. And Tom Tom Grant brought another. He kind of when we talked about authenticity, he goes, "Yeah, but it's it may be authentic, but is it trimmed or altered in some which way?" Well, Tom, I didn't know about that when I was buying some black cards. I wasn't worried about that two months ago. I mean, you guys probably all have been because a lot of you folks have probably been doing this for a long time, and you've always had it in the back of your mind. I've heard stories about it, but I wasn't, you know, it's like that whole thought. Well, it can't be my card. It can't be the kind of cards I like to collect. It can't be the kind of cards that I'm spending big money on. It's it's the it's the Honus Wagners. It's the Michael Jordan cards. It's the vintage cards. The, it's the older cards. It's not my cards. Well, yeah, it could be your cards. And I think that's the realization a lot of folks are coming to right now that maybe haven't had this discussion, at least at this deep of a level. And now you have this coming together of all these experienced you know, weathered collectors that have been doing this for a long time going, you know, oh, you young kids, you guys are just finally figuring it out. Oh, yeah, no, you didn't know about this. It's been going on for a long time. Heck, PSA was built on the deception of all this. Nah, 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 nah. And I'm like, OK, and, and that's their opinion. That's what they run with. And I'm going, well, gosh, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to like, you know, I'm looking at it like I want to give a ben the benefit of the doubt to the company and, and some of these people and go, gosh, I can't imagine all these people are just you know building everything on a deception of lies. It seems it seems a little aggressive, like baby out with the bathwater type mentality. But I don't know. I think most people don't want to buy a trimmed car. Let's ask ask yourself this: You almost have to poll everybody. You should put a poll up. If you found out that some of your most desirable favorite cars that you've spent the most money on, let's say money right now, because there are people that have spent some good money on cars, including myself. If you found out that those cards were trimmed or altered in any such way, how do you now feel about those cards? I think most people would say differently. I feel differently. Well, let's let's let me share this, and I, I warned you about this uh, before we went live. But I'm going to share my screen, and this this, ha this exact thing happened to me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna show you guys an email that I received from PWCC back on June the 10th. 2019 and here i'm going to bring it onto my onto our screen right here let's see if i can make this a bit bigger for you guys dear jeremy lee that's me pwcc marketplace is reaching out to buyers of cards that have been sold recently so this is back on june 10th 2019 
which PWCC believes have evidence of alteration. We have identified the dealer who submitted your altered card and working with the dealer and the grading company, we will work to refund your purchase price as well as take the card out of circulation by ultimately causing the card to be forwarded to law enforcement. Here's the card in play. My my 1952 tops look and see Queen Elizabeth. Uh, Please reply, confirm your willingness to have the item returned. We'll send you a prepaid shipping label, work on refunding your money. Apologize for any convenience this has caused. Hope to regain your trust in PWCC. That was June the 10th, 2019. Two months later, I get another email. It's a cookie cutter email. Now the cards in question we'd like to arrange return are my 1954 Johnny Bauer PSA 8 and my 2005 SB Game Use Alexander Ovechkin PSA 10. So I received these, these emails on these three cards, all of them from PWCC telling me that my cards, my babies are trimmed. And I had no idea of that when I received them and when I held them for however much time there was between me purchasing them. I looks like I bought the Bauer in 2017. I get the email two years later. I bought the Ovechkin in 2018. So a couple, you know, one to two to three years go by. Now I had the, I didn't have to send them the cards back. What I, what, here's what I decided to your question, Dennis, what I decided to do was I thought, okay, the Bauer and the Ovechkin, those are like key PC cards for me. I don't want these tainted cards in my collection. I sent them back. And I was refunded the money I, I paid for them. I got my money back and I was pretty happy. However, the Queen Elizabeth card, I decided to keep. I decided to keep. I put a little thing in there saying trimmed as per PWCC. And I kept the card because I like it. I don't really care that this card is trimmed. It's in a holder. I paid 200 bucks for it. It's not the end of the world. It's Queen Elizabeth. I'm Canadian, you know, with the whole thing. I kept the card. But I will never like, and we'll talk about, We'll talk a little bit later about um, intention, disclosure, and then future chain of custody, right? Disclosure is very important when it comes to, to trimmed cards and altered cards, but future chain of custody is also very important. So it is my responsibility now to make sure that whoever owns this after me, which will probably just, you know, I don't know who that'll be because I'll keep this till I die. Um, it's going to say trimmed in the back. Someone will know that it was trimmed. So in any event, you asked, how would you feel? I was devastated that my PSA 8, Johnny Bauer, was was trimmed. I mean, that was a great card. I waited a while to find a copy I liked. I was devastated. I mean, listen, not the end of the world. It's a, it's a card. But I didn't want it anymore. And I've never replaced it. But were you devastated because it lost value in your mind and it would not, have the, it would not hold the same value as it originally would have if it hadn't been trimmed? Or were you devastated because something that you thought was authentically, you know, it was the way it was supposed to be. It was not altered in any way, shape, or form. It was just a true representation of whatever that card was throughout time. It has lived through the time. It's been around. And it was it was just real and authentic in that sense. Which one of those would you say you felt? It wasn't the value. It was, for me, it was the integrity of my of my card and my collection. Like, you know, man, I mean, you do, you, you, you're in this hobby. If, if anyone who's been in the hobby, like I have, and not, not, not like you have to be in the hobby for 42 years as I have been, but if you've been in the hobby immersed in it, it's your lifestyle passionately for, I don't care how long, you know, whatever, however many months to decades, it doesn't even matter. 
you want your cards to have integrity. And that's something that I want. Now, I make an exception for the Queen Elizabeth because I don't really have it as a, it, it's like a side PC. It's not a main PC for me, but I just don't, it's just like, again, a card that I spent $800 on, the Bauer, I think I paid $838 for. It's not a ton of money, but I just didn't want that in my collection. I want a, an, I want a tamper-free card. So, you know, it's funny because your question, Dennis, that you asked, I have different answers depending on the card, right? Now, this yeah. is the only known trimmed card I have in my collection. Thankfully, I don't want any more. I'm okay with one. That's enough. And it serves now as an ex as an example for me to show people and to show this is what a trim. If it is in fact trimmed, I don't know that it's in fact trimmed. I don't even know if PWCC. It says PWCC believes has. I'm looking at the email. PWCC believes has evidence of alteration. They believe it. I don't know for sure. This so, convers this conversation like literally will give you a headache. Like because it's believed. You would even know. Now we're going off of this like basis that 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 card is trimmed but we don't really know and there are per, it's perceived that certain people are trimming cards it's perceived that certain grading companies are worse at detecting it everything is sort of in this vacuum of perception which is why people care about whether the card is trimmed or not i think i'd be, i'd venture to guess in the comment section you guys let me know if you let me know if you if you if you what what side do you think this or what side of the room do you think this lies on? I think the reason people are concerned about trimmed cards is because unlike a piece of art, and um, I forget who on, on the comments answered that question because there was a question like, "Well, art's restored; it's not a big deal." Well, art's like one piece. The artist creates a lot of times just one piece, and that piece has to be kept. And cards are kind of produced. There's lots of them, and some of them there's way too many of them. So getting that perfect copy there, there's something about that that gives it value because it's so unique in that condition is it because people the perception now is that that card is not as valuable not as sought after because jeremy's not going to want that bauer card because it needs to be the integrity still needs to be intact for that card or is it only because of the integrity and that's the only reason why that people don't like to trim. It's like, it's the moral high ground of like the, the sort of the virtue of it, right? Which I believe there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying like, is it the virtue of it or is it because now the hobby will look at that card differently. The card feels different to me now because it's not the same card it was when I knew it wasn't trimmed and it was authentic in its state. Which side is it on? Yeah, I, I mean... Big question, right? I mean, it's it is, it is. We can go in circles uh, on this whole discussion, you know, a on a lot of different pieces of this of this topic. Um, but let let's go through some more comments, Dennis, if that's all right. right as we as we figure out how you and I are going to be vibing during uh, during taking stock. And uh, but fun so far. Thanks to everybody for showing up. And if you are not yet subscribed to both YouTube channels, Sports Card Dad, Sports Cards Live, uh, please take a moment, do that. Greatly appreciated. Uh, again, a Mangini comment here. I think people are missing the bigger picture. If PSA can't tell trimmed cards this often, then why the hell are people spending thousands with them? And again, it comes down to how often, what are we allowing for? What, what margin of error is the hobby willing to allow for with the with all third-party grading companies? And again, I don't know if there's, if the, I, the answer, I, I, 
I would like it to be zero. We would like it to be a perfect system, but I just don't think that that is, is reasonable. He goes on to say here, if you were the one who bought that mantle for 5.2 million, I think he's talking about the Rob Go PSA 9, you might think once is too often. 100%, of course. In that case, once is way too often. Now, PSA does have their guarantee, but I think it maxes out at a half a million lifetime per person. So that's not going to cover uh, several high-end cards. How about this comment here, Dennis? BF Golf says, 75 years from now, if the grading companies that exist today no longer exist, will the grades assigned today become irrelevant? I mean, the true collectible is what's inside the slab. I've, I want to thank BF Golf for this comment, Dennis, because first of all, I've never done this thought. It's never even... Uh, dawned on me to go through this pretend potential thought experiment so what about like brand psa is so successful because of their brand if that brand disappears 50 years from now as bf golf is saying what does it even matter is it irrelevant i mean it depends on the cards you're collecting like you know for me i have a handful of cards that are i know there's they're, they're out of 10 or they're hand numbered ken griffey jr Chicago cards from 99 and it's the hand numbered version it's a VGS 9 but I mean I could it could be raw and I know it's authentic and that makes no difference to me yeah you're spending money on these cards to get them out of collectors hands but I think once you start focusing your collection and you're you love collecting cards you love the cards you love what the story behind the card is right you how what it took to get it you know how revered the card is in that collector's that player collector space I think if you take the grades away and you take them all out of their slabs there was a part of me that kind of wanted to just break them all out anyway but I'm like man but I, I spent this to get this in a 10 i spent this to get this in a 10 and you know these cards the grade kind of matters because you know there's little there's a few more of them out there so you'd like to have the perfect specimen of that card right but i guess if it all goes away at one time or another that particular card was reviewed as a 10 and then maybe would you grade it with the company that's around 75 years from now i mean i don't you and i I don't feel like we're going to be here where our kids want to do that with those cards. If we still have them, I don't know. Uh, that kind of comes back to the cards you're collecting, in my opinion. Yeah, I, th I think there's some truth to that. I, I think for some people, that'll be the case. I think for other people, it's it's black and white. Uh, here's a comment that just came in from, from your buddy, Cage, my buddy too. Aren't you guys afraid of chasing people away by continuing to talk about trimming and accepting it as part of the hobby? So I think, I don't know, Cage, if you're assuming that we're accepting it as part of the hobby. I mean, it is part of the hobby. You can't deny that. So I don't think it comes down to accepting it. Continuing to talk about it. I think we're, I think people need to be informed. I think, I think, I think, so should we, I guess the alt alternative there, Cage, is should we pretend it doesn't exist? Is that what you are suggesting? I'm curious for your response to that. I don't know. I mean, Cage, no, and Cage, I love Cage. I don't, I don't think so. I, 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 I think he's almost being funny. I think he's being funny. No one cage, but you know, and, and again, I always, I, I have so much love for Cage and Andrew. Those guys gave me the opportunity, and then I love Dustin and you. And I, you guys are all, you know, my my circle, and I, you guys are wonderful. Um, but I will say, I don't think that's what Cage is saying. I think he, he knows how I feel about this particular subject because I was very, I was very heated when, it, when this whole thing came out with Evan Mathis. He knows exactly how I feel. There's a there's a group we're in, and I went off. Um, it, it's not okay. And I think that's why we're talking about it because it's not okay. And I and that's the question I brought up when it happened. I went, if this is if I'm going to try to bring some friends into this space that know nothing about the hobby or want to get into it, how do I explain this? Like this just makes it seem like we can't have we don't have our house in order. Like we can't get our crap together, so to speak. 
It's like everything's just, and there's fraud running rampant throughout the hobby. Do I feel comfortable spending any kind of money in a space where you don't even know if it's legitimate or not, or if it's been altered or, you know, all that stuff. That's, that is kind of the premise of that for me. I, I feel like why we're talking about it, why it's still a topic. Well, it's a hot topic right now, obviously all kicked off by the Evan Mathis video that came out on TikTok. And, um, and, but you know what, it's also something that I'm guilty of not talking enough about in my three years of creating content. And I'm, while being guilty of not talking about it, it's definitely something that I don't want in, in, the, in, in my hobby, our hobby, in my collection. I don't want trimmed cards. I don't want altered cards. It's like Ricky here says, people want original just like it was when it yeah. came out of the pack. I've been using the terminology, I want my cards from the pack. That's why I don't want sheet cut cards. I, I, I don't mind a box bottom card if that's the only way it came. But if, if the card was ever distributed out of a wax pack or you know when, when, when they turned to foil or whatever, that's how I want my card. I don't want a different version of it. I also don't want an because someone else made the comment here. Uh, basically, it's important that we we use the term authentic properly because authentic just means to me non counterfeit. A pack, it's pack pulled. It was produced in the in the right time by the right people, but it may be trimmed. So that would be trimmed authentic or restored authentic or altered authentic. But it, but otherwise you have a counterfeit card and it's like, like who cares? It, it's a, well, not who cares. We don't want counterfeit cards, but it's not an authentic card in the first place. That's a different thing than what we set out to talk about tonight, which was altering, restoring, modifying authentic cards. That's what this show is meant to be about tonight, but happy to talk about some other things as we have been um, as well. Jim in Florida here, Dennis, makes this comment. How does someone expect graders to grade accurately when you're trying to grade? And he's talking about PSA here, 1.2 million cards a month. Basically, you have about 25 to 30 seconds per card to pump out that volume. Now, I don't know if that 25 to 30 seconds, like where Jim in Florida got that from. That might be simple math. You know how many graders there are. You know how many hours there are in a day. And you know how many, and we have gem rate data. So that might be accurate. But how much time should it take to grade a card? Not grade, not only grade, but authenticate, meaning non-counterfeit, and and detect if there's been trimming or other alteration, and then grading. That's like three processes. I don't think 30 seconds is enough personally, but that's what, what we're trusting the third-party graders to do is all three of those things. Well, what didn't Jason say in your your sh your your show on Saturday that they're about 132, 136 graders. Let's use PSA for right now for an example, because I, I remember that. There's 136 graders. And before that, there were how many graders? I don't remember the number, but that's 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 not a lot of graders. Now that was a comment responding to there's just too many inexperienced people there. I when I heard the 136, I thought that wasn't very many based off the backlog and all of the stuff. But I think what happened was during 2020 and 21, you got people like me that got into the hobby and started sending in all the most random stuff that was never re really never should have been in a slab in a slab ever. Of course, I learned, gone through it. But I, I think so you have to ramp up because you've got all of these cards that you know may not be as sought after. People are trying to capitalize on the moment. People coming in flipping. They, they never intended to stick around. They just wanted to come in and, you know take advantage of the market and, and do, and then they leave. But now you hire and staff up, you, you scale up 
and but I would have to think that when a, an expensive card comes across the desk, maybe there's some pause there, a second set of eyeballs. I can't imagine you're looking at a 2021 Jordan Alvarez base card with the same intent than you look at looking at like an 86 Fleer Michael Jordan that comes or or a, a Star Rubies, you know, Kobe or Michael Jordan or Ken Griffey Jr. card. You're going to stop and go, whoa, we don't see these very often. There's only so many. Let's. So I don't know with, with the with the bigger cards, I imagine there's there's more care taken. Um, but I also feel like and I know people are excited with fanatics, like all these people are going to start coming in. I feel like our hobbies is a niche thing, and I think it's going to it's going to stay that way. And I don't know if I'm terribly worried or concerned about that. I kind of you know, I don't know if we need to have 5000 graders at PSA. I think I think a lot of this stuff might take care of itself because we're going to not only are we talking about this, like Dan, the card man had a great point. We're talking about this. That's the solution is people are hearing about it so they can do their due diligence. But I think that it, it, PSA is going to react to this. I think all the grading companies are going to react to this. They're going to go, all right, how can we stiffen up there and get better at get better at catching these cards that are altered? Well, there's, oh uh, yeah, and I I just can't keep up with all the great comments that we're getting from both of our both the sports card data and the sports card live uh, channels yeah. here. Here <clears throat> we're getting a ton of really insightful stuff here, so I have to apologize for not being able to get to them all. But uh, you guys are killing it in the chat right now. I have a few stars. Mid-Atlantic here said that, uh, how about the fact that PSA was grading Kuntz's cards for $2.30 per card? Stuff like that is what gives rise to perception that Hobby's a good old boy network favoring insiders. Yeah, I don't care about that so much. Um, I care if they're also giving him favorable grades. I don't care what they charge him to do it back back in the early 2000s. Um, good old boy network. I mean, yeah, we're, we're going to have conspiracy theories on that all the time and i'm sure it exists i mean it's real businesses relationships if you don't if you if you're so hung up on and i'm not talking to you mid-atlantic but anybody if you're so hung up on the good old boys network then you just don't understand how the world really works because that's that's just the way unfortunately things are and i'm not saying we have to accept it but it's kind of the way it is and it depends what what favors are they doing for their good old boys if it's just pricing i don't, I don't care if they're if they're given if they're giving them favorable grades, I care. I care. That's not a good thing. Right. Chasing right, right. majors. Would anyone be surprised if five percent of all cards, if in slabs and sold in the last four years, are trimmed? I think five percent might be a little high, personally, and I have no idea what I'm basing that thought on. Do you have any gut feel for this, Dennis? Five percent. I just feel like are we just grabbing at a number? I don't know. I mean, one point two million a month. That's that's two hundred thousand a month. That's a lot of that. I don't think anyone's. Tr- I think it's too high. I feel like. Oh, oh sorry, it's fifty thousand. Sorry, not it's 20, fifty thousand. Yeah, you're mad here. Still too many. Yeah, I'm not accountant. <laughs> no, uh, I, I I'm looking at the comments here. Um, no, I I don't know. I I feel like again, this we don't really know how many cards are being trimmed. So we have no idea. We'll, how, how are we arriving at that number? Yeah. Like, I, I, you hear a lot of, you know, and just like, you know, the sports car nonsense episode or uh, interview with Evan Mathis, it was, it's like, there's all these people that do it, these big dealers. And like, I can't tell you though, but there's always people, well, how do you know? I mean, we're just, we're just basically saying stuff. We don't know. We don't have the information that that makes it tough. Because I wouldn't we, be surprised to answer the question directly. I would be surprised if, if it's 5%. I think that's way high. I, I, I'm, I'd be closer to about a, 
a tenth of that, like half a percent. But again, what am I basing that on? Nothing what cards related. are getting trimmed, though? That's the thing. What, what, what cards are being trimmed? Yeah. Well, I think there's some from from all eras. Uh, let's keep on going, though. Tom Grant says, "Do you want to buy a? Do you want to buy a card with a crease removed, or wrinkle removed, or stains removed?" Personally, no. I do not want to buy a card with any of those things removed. Now, there's a whole topic here as like the stain, the wrinkle, the crease. Those were alterations in the first instance when they occurred. Now, they were innocent alterations. And this comes down to intention. If I'm throwing my card against the wall, playing the, playing a game in the 70s, and then I'm going to get it graded, does the grading company say it's altered? No, it's damaged naturally based on honest intent, innocent intent. But if you're altering a card to deceive, that's that's where that that's like that's another level of alteration. That's the bad alteration. Do you agree? Well, yeah, but wouldn't it be okay? So you're saying you so what you're saying is if you if you get a if you buy a card that had that came in a pack that had a, a stain on it, a wax stain, and had some stain from the gum or a crease, and that was removed and taken out, that was that was restored, so to speak. You don't want that card. You'd rather have it because you said earlier you, you want to have it like as if you pulled it out of the pack. Well, if you pull it out of the pack, most of the time those things are going to be existing on the card, right? So I'm just wondering. That's the question I have. It's like, okay, so is it okay to have that stuff? Is it is it almost a novelty in a way? Is it like you know I've got one with the gum stain? It kind of just worked. That that's what you got. You know, it's like when yeah anyway. Yeah, no, you're. It, it is a novelty. I I'm not going to pull them out right now, but I actually have. A, a, a small collection of cards with the gum still stuck to them that I pulled out of packs yeah. myself. And those right. are novelties. I think they're super. Hey, look, I've got this Nolan Ryan card from 83 Opeachy. It's got the gum piece on it. Like, I think that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. But I, yeah. If a card, I don't want stains removed from my cards personally. I'm sure I have some that have that because I wasn't savvy enough to know what to look for right. years ago. But now, I don't want cards with stains with, with with gum stains removed. I'd rather just get a different. I just don't want that. I'll leave that for somebody else who doesn't care. I want cards the way they came out of the, as close to the way they came out of the pack originally. Personally, that's what I want in my collection. So, uh, but let's keep on going here. We got we're already we were so everybody Dennis and I in planning taking stock. We were hoping to keep this to a one hour show. I can tell right now with all my experience in live streams and, and you know, having this, the chat involved that we can easily go for three hours tonight. I don't think we will. I think we'll go a bit over time, but, but we have to, we have to keep running through some of these because you guys are killing it in the chat tonight. I have to say, all right. Brendan Ryan says, it's not all bad. If PSA stays the course, it won't be long before tag gets a hobby bump and the status quo changes. Shout out tag. Thank you, Brendan Ryan. I hope so. That's uh, why I'm involved with tag. Uh, the sports car professor, I would rephrase Dennis's question. Do you do you trust buying a high-grade vintage card? Some are saying no and that all are trimmed. Well, okay, so whoever's saying all are trimmed is dead wrong. Yeah. That That's just wrong and impossible. I've graded some vintage cards myself that I pulled, so we know that's not true, and it's probably just an exaggeration. But do you trust buying a high-grade vintage card? No. Do you, Dennis? No. Not that's your all. take. Not no. now. Nope. No. What I myself now, that's the thing. Who do I trust? Do I trust myself and my experience? No, I am going to find someone. And there seems to be a lot of people in our comment section tonight that have a lot of experience in, in that in, in looking at vintage cards and they would be the ones going, Hey, 
hey, I'd, I'd reach out to them and go, listen, I need, you know, Dan the Card Man or, or Ricky or, or Bob Boozle or somebody like that. Um, I would go, is it, look at this card. Does this look like there's been alteration done? Is it, does it look trimmed? Does it look fake? I mean, gosh, I have so many questions. I thought I had it figured out. I don't. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That means I'm learning. It's, it, I have to ask the questions. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't trust myself, and I and I do think it brings sort of a hmm. I wonder when anybody looks at particular cards in a certain segment, and I think that I don't think that's a great thing. But like Dan the Card Man said earlier, it makes you do your due diligence, it makes you learn, it makes you ask questions. I don't think that's bad though. Sorry, I kind of went all over with that with that answer. Yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah, and, and it, it it's. There's so much going on here with all these comments. I know. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to like pay attention to the, the I'm with you. I'm like, you're, you're responding to something. I read some of these comments. I'm like, man, these are, these are terrific. Like these guys are, we got very educated people in our chat. It's a lot of experience. Well, I wanted the experience in the room is, is awesome. So Dan, the card man, as an external auditor, I'd love to be a fly on the wall during key business walkthroughs at certain third party graders. Be curious to see how pervasive these mistakes are and how they treat them internally. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was a third, I was an external auditor uh, for several years with Arthur Anderson and Deloitte. And so I understand uh, the way Dan as an external auditor looks at things because I've been through the same training or maybe a little bit before he was, but very similar right. training right. that he went through working for public uh, professional services firms, uh, some of the biggest ones in the world at the time. And um, so I get, I get it. And yeah, same here. Uh, same here, Dan. I would certainly love to have been part of those walkthroughs as well. Uh, Chasing Major says, I prefer buying the PSA SGC older slabs. I believe there's less of a chance the card isn't altered. Well, as as Jason Koontz told us, and this is where I don't know the whole history of the hobby, I, of course, but as he let us know, trimming was being done before grading was a thing. People were still trimming down cards to make them look nicer. And so I don't know. I, I understand chasing majors having that preference. Maybe there is less of a chance. It was just a longer time ago. So people didn't know what grading was. I think it took a bit of time for people to realize, oh, we can we can slip things by these grading companies. And I think Kuntz spoke to that on Saturday. So right. yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see uh, how things go. Victory Investment says, I tried to discourage trimming and the normalization of trimming recently on my Instagram, mostly because I don't want to see younger collectors accept it. Most older collectors understand it's wrong. Yeah. Like, let's be clear here. I think we are. Trimming is a hobby faux pas. It is unethical. It is immoral. Now, let me, let me just say trimming with the intention to deceive, because if you're, listen, if you're somebody who collects 1980s base sets, and you fill in your binders every year and you are cutting out cutting out the card for whatever reason like that that can be innocent i still don't recommend it but i'm just trying to think about all the different possibilities here but the fact of the matter is yes trimming is not it is it's just immoral unethical and if you are looking to deceive people and profit from people without disclosing to them that you have that you have altered modified the card you are a scumbag you are a hobby scumbag and you should, you are not welcome in my hobby. And I just mean like, my, you know, what I surround myself with. Right, right. And everyone out there who's watching this should be saying, this is my hobby because we curate our hobby for ourselves, right? It's Absolutely. our hobby, I know, but you hear what yes. I'm saying. 
no, and I, I agree with you. I, I think that's decept- that's fraudulent activity. That's criminal activity. You're trying to deceive someone to spend money on something that they do not. They're they're being fooled basically. You're, I just don't. It's dishonest. It's, it's not morally correct. Right. Um, I would never want to do that. You know, I would never want to do that to somebody. That's just, it's 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 not okay. I think earlier up here we had a comment. Cage said no one's really saying anything. I don't know if he's talking to you or me. If that's meant to come at you and I, like we're not saying anything. I feel like we're saying a lot, but. Um, I saw some comments, uh, sorry, Dennis, I saw some comments about the grading. I think he's talking about the grading companies, but might be. Yeah. I haven't seen that comment from him yet. I'm still at, uh, you're I'm still, still 14 you're, minutes ago. You're still, like, you're still like 45 minutes ago. Only 12. Not here, four, 15 <laughs> minutes ago, Dan the Cardman said, don't think things are ever truly resolved by third-party graders unless manufacturers change or implement additional controls. Bingo. 100%. That's what needs to happen on cards that have not yet been produced. Anything in the past is an issue. But or quite they, question. But they can't really talk about the changes they're implementing or making because then, you know, it's like anything else. You don't want to tell the crook how to steal the car, you know, or the, the things you're doing to make it more difficult to cheat the system. Like, you know, I work at a bank. We're not going to tell I'm not going to we're not going to put publish all the different kind of technology we use to try to catch fraud. Why? It's like basically telling everybody how to do it. So, I, I don't personally think, believe yeah. there's a way to do it. It's sort of like the blockchain, the way um, they've got the, what are those, what are those um, in the blockchain, there are those long strings of characters that tie one block to the next block in the chain. So I'm not talking oh, about, right? yeah, um, wingding? Hash, hash keys or something like that. Okay. Oh, I, I think that's about. something like that. Someone out there would know that there, I personally believe, and I, I've thought this through in, in, a, in a session with some smart people. There is a way to do it, but let's, let's, we can on a future episode of taking stock. All right. Yeah, right. But here's a comment from cage. I think I'm going to have to start working for a grading company. Going to fix this from the inside. That's cage is the answer. Everybody cage is the answer. Self-declared cage is the answer. <laughs> Sean victory investments goes on to say in continuation from his earlier comment about trying to dissuade people from trimming. He says that said, while I do believe it happens, I I'm going to give PSA more credit than most. They are much better than we give them credit for. I don't, however, know how their graders are trained. So number one, I agree with him. I think that PSA, SGC, Beckett, CSG, these incumbent human grading companies with experience are not some of the new staff, but the the people who've been there for years are probably, I would hope, listen, I hope they're employing the best people in the business to detect these things, but I don't know what they are. And as Sean goes on to say, Sean from victory investments, we don't know how they train and, or how long they train for. So yeah, it's, how about you? Uh, any take on that, Dennis? I, I mean, we don't know. I, I mean, there's there, that, again, that's some of the stuff that, that was floated around that they hired too many people and, you know, they didn't know what they're doing. There, there were some comments on, there was a lot of PA, there's either PSA sixes or PSA tens. Some people were cracking and resubmitting. That's a whole other subject that I actually, the pop control on the PSA pop before, I'd love to kind of move into that second, maybe after this comment, but I, I do, I don't know the, I don't know the level of, you know, like I said, 136 graders. It doesn't seem like that's that many for the amount of volume that we have, that they had to go through to get through their backlog. Do they have more people on contract while they're trying to get through that um and now they're down to 136 because that's all they need based on the demand 
because I can't imagine the demand was the same as it was, you know, a year ago. Um, but I would not have any, I wouldn't have any idea the experience. You would like to think the PSA is pretty strong. You know, well, I, I, I think they're probably, I, I have to think that they're the best at it. I, I, and now I could be made, that could be a false assumption, or maybe I'm trying to, I want to believe it because I have an extensive collection of PSA cards. Back to the question a while ago of, does this whole thing scare you from buying high-end, high-grade vintage? Personally, yeah, it does. I'm not going to lie about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, number one, I would need to look at it closely. I would want to have my ruler. I would want to really inspect the card, look at the edges, you know, because these are, and they are slabbed, right? We're talking about slabbed cards here. So it's hard to get a, you can't hold it. You can't run your fingers up and down those edges unless you're going to crack it out, which I don't think you're going to do if it's already slabbed. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, more comfortable in that mid-grade range on a card that looks nice uh, personally. And I think a lot of people are heading that way. And, and I think that's okay. Like the hobby is ever evolving. It's never going to stop evolving. Today's state of the situation is temporary. No matter what you think, no matter how big you think PSA is, they're not going to be the biggest grading company forever. I don't think, you know, trimming may one day be accepted. I'm not saying it will be. It won't be by me, but it may be by the hobby. A hundred years from now, when none of us are around, maybe that's the state of the situation. Who knows? I mean, I, I hope not, but you just, I don't think we really know. It's, hey, it's well, Jeremy, if you don't mind, grab uh, Ricky's comment here. I want. Well, let's finish off on, uh, it says, speaking about ethics, is it wrong to sell someone a card at max profit when they know that the card won't hold value over time? This is an interesting question. I mean, basically, most of you did that to me for the last three years, which is okay. And the way I look at it is, you know what? I pulled the trigger on that. I paid for the card, and that's that. You know, you got to take your lumps and your L's. Thankfully, I, I moved everything into a positive. You know, I, I took it and, and built up a really cool collection and took my lumps. But, no, I don't I don't know if I think that that's necessarily bad. I mean, you know, it, this is a, is a marketplace. It's a marketplace. If there was a demand for that card at that time and – Someone wanted to pay top dollar for that. Well, they decided to pay top dollar for that. That's not on you. I guess it gets kind of difficult to discern if you have some sort of knowledge about, like, are you talking about a 1990 Hoops Michael Jordan PSA 10 for like, you know, $2,000 in February of 2021 when that card obviously wasn't worth that? I don't know. If you're a savvy collector and knew that and just took advantage of the moment, that's a great question. I don't know. What say you? on that jeremy is it wrong to sell someone a card at max profit when they know the card won't hold value okay yes if it's a i think there i think like i wouldn't i would feel i would feel weird if i had a card like for example my queen elizabeth here if i were to take my yellow sticker out of here that says trimmed as per pwcc and offer this for sale at a card show i know that it's very likely or at least PWCC believes that they have evidence of alteration on this card. I would not be able to put this in my showcase and sell it for max profit. So is it wrong? Yeah. I think the easy answer to Ricky's question is yes, it is wrong. Now, is it wrong to sell a card of, I don't know, a player, like a prospect when, when I know from being in this hobby so long and seeing how the cycles work that this year's rookie is only hot for two weeks and, or this, you know, it's, the flavor of the month. I don't know that I want, you know, I don't know that I'm going to feel so bad about selling the hot rookie at, at peak value 
knowing that two years from now that's going to go down in value that's buyer beware that's up to you are you are you prospecting do you collect the player and that's what they're going for why would i give you a discount if i could sell it elsewhere for more money so i don't think ricky's talking about that i think ricky's talking about the queen elizabeth situation here where i know that this thing is trimmed and yes i would be wrong to sell this at psa 8 comps on this when i know it's an altered authentic card and i would never do that i mean i i I wouldn't i don't think i don't think anybody watched well i shouldn't say that we've had a lot of people watching the show tonight i'm sure some people are bad actors that we have in our audience right now i think the majority of us want the health of the hobby we love this hobby and we would not do that correct good comment here from simon dennis intent is important second degree alteration without intent to deceive sentence is lifetime of regret the sentence for doing it First degree alteration with intent to deceive, sentenced to Jeremy's prison of hobby scumbags. Yeah, that's right. We now have Jeremy's prison of hobby scumbags. Well, All that, right. If there's anything that's been created tonight, we've created that. <laughs> well, we we certainly have. Um, I'll go through. A few. Okay, guys, I got to ask you in the please stop putting comments in if you wouldn't mind. Please stop for now. We'll do. We're going to come back. By the way. Taking stock tonight is the only Monday. Dennis could not do it tomorrow. Taking stock is going to be on Tuesdays from here on in, and we're going to be an hour earlier. We're going to start at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific. That is 8 o'clock where I live in the mountain time zone. We will be back next Tuesday. Uh, All right, Dennis, uh, we did Simon's comment. Dexflow says, Jeremy, personally, I'm scared more for the wrong pop counts. Yes. Right. Yes. Once it's in a slab, I would have no clue if it's trim, but hate seeing my PSA Flare Jordan with a high pop count because of crackouts. I mean, if you watched my interview with Jason Kuntz on Saturday, he feels he we know there's 2,800 and something PSA 9 MJs. He thinks that it's really more like 2,100. So the pop reports don't do any favors for people holding a PSA 9 Michael Jordan rookie because it says 2,800 when Kuntz, and I think he's in the ballpark, you know, there's a standard DBA plus or minus however many. He thinks his gut tells him 2,100. I believe that. I think he's a lot, a 25% um, excess on the pop count Correct. if Correct. you're working backwards. It's more like 33 if you're going up, but you know what I mean. So, and, and, and that might, that, that percentage might live more in the higher grades, right? Eight, nines, tens, or eights, seven, eights, and nines, or maybe, I don't know. Eights and nine. I don't, is that, do you think that makes sense? Like, I, I think there's more incentive to and there's also more risk though but there's more incentive to get a nine to turn a nine into a ten so nines are probably inflated nines are probably inflated but i think it happens all the way along the scale maybe not in the ones and twos like you know especially the ones that were driven over by a car crumpled up and flattened out again but yeah i think it happens like a lot from the three to nine i would think or four to nine in there but interest you know that's just my thought i don't know I, it's forced, I mean, I'll be honest, it's forced me to completely change my collecting habits. The pops. I, I Gem Rate's a really great place to find data. Um, car ladder, sports card, marker movers, all these, there's all these places you can go to find data. Um, you just go to the pop reports themselves. Um, but there's a lot of grading companies and you have to think about how many are printed. I mean, and I don't, I'm not trying to get, you know, snobby about, everybody should collect how they want to collect. There's no wrong way to do it. You should be happy enjoy it, have fun. Me personally, I love scarcity. I love to know and have a pretty good idea 
And so a lot of my, I, it just, like I said, it, it, be, it became more of a work of due diligence. I had to do a lot of homework before I made a purchase to make sure the card was truly this amount of these cards. Heck, if it's a pop, this, I mean, pie pop means something different for everybody. Look at the, the Ken Griffey Jr. 1989 upper deck. 4,000 some, at least with PSA, 4,000 PSA 10, the gem rate of 4%, right? There's so many of those cards, like people say they're still printing them today. There's so many of those cards. It still carries a value of about eighteen to two, two, $1,800 to $2,000 for those cards. 4000 You got to think of basic economics. 4,000 people have to want that card that bad. Me personally, I feel like that's a really high pop card. I had one. I got rid of it in favor of buying something that's just a little more rare, that'll be more difficult to get, doesn't sell very often. Again, I'm not trying to sound elitist or any of this kind of stuff. It just kind of changed the way I looked at cards. Pop, pop reports became almost a, pointless to me. You know, and I wonder when you buy any kind of card, how do you how do you discern that? How do you navigate that? Look at look at Mangini's comment on the screen. Their protections are more accurate. Yes, yes. In Seattle, yeah. even you know, it's gonna rain. I don't know. Yes, I'm in yeah, Seattle. No, that, that's, there, there's too much truth to that. Uh, back back about seven minutes ago, down the card man said PSA are the best, but they appear to be very inconsistent outside looking in. I think their controls could be better. Volume shouldn't be driving the issues we've seen over the last two years as much as it has. I mean, he's right. Like it, it's not, don't let your quality go down because you have too much business, you know? Now it is tough for, for them. And I had I had Nat Turner on the show two years ago, I think, episode number 100 of Sports Cards Live. And I mean, I felt for the guy. Like, they have this huge backlog. They can't hire people fast enough. They can't train them fast enough. They don't have enough square footage. Like, they were, the hobby was was inundating them, a tsunami of great of graded cards. And then what happened, we, we wonder, why why the cards go, is it, did cards come down in value over the last couple of years because the pandemic ended and people were going out again? Or was it that 12 million backlog PSA slabs hit the market in the course of six months or whatever it was. And I'm kind of just pulling timelines out here, but it could be, it's, I think it's a combination of obviously, but, uh, but I agree with Dan. It's not like, don't let quality go down because it's like a restaurant. You get super busy. You still want to have your nice presentation. You don't want to, you don't want crappy food getting out on the customer's plates. And I don't know that that's, I don't know if Dan is right. Like, I don't know if it's volume that drove these issues or not, but I think it's a, I can understand how he gets to that conclusion. I, I, I mean, it's all perception. I think perception drives everything in our society right now. It definitely drives it in our hobby. Perception, some person, we had that one gentleman that thought, you know, there's 2% or whatever, that that 5% of all cards are trimmed right now, modern cards. I mean, we talked about how big that number is. But then how are we arriving at that number? Well, that's his perception. So for him, that's what he thinks. And people within his sphere of influence that's another key part of the hobby spheres of influences so you have to think about and you have to think about perceptions of any of these things and the sphere of influence it may be it may be the person you listen to uh, a collector that you rely on and lean on and then you send your dm instagram dms back and forth on different ideas with cars you want to buy and the direction you want to take your your collecting habits it could be the, the the show you watch it could be one of these live shows where you hear you know you and I yammering away at all these these different topics and, and, and asking these and we're seeing the comments and how people are reacting to this stuff. Well, 
that's perception and you you got to control perception so perception for psa for a while was like you can't keep up our cards are going to be stuck here forever how do i prospect on a, on a card and sell it in, into strength when the card's sitting at psa for eight ten months i mean that that was a problem damned if you do damned if you don't well we got to hurry up well if you hurry up now all of a sudden we're not grading as well so it's it, it's a difficult thing but the perception is going to always rule the day so people think something they're going to think it their sphere of influence is going to hear about it on their youtube channel or whatever and now all of a sudden you got all these people thinking something that may not be true but they think it is so it might as well be yeah yeah it's perception is as i said the other night perception is nine tenths of the law but that's possession perception just becomes truth to a lot of people true so yeah. a, another thing i want to i want to make sure that we are clear on you know for the people for people who are okay with having trimmed cards in their collection and I, I like it's not for me, okay? But I'm not gonna say that that is outlawed, and you can't have trim cards in your collection. I would like there to, I would like there to be disclosure of it. If you're going to, if you're gonna trim a card and send it in for grading, tell the grading company that it's trimmed. I know this sounds like why would anybody do that? Well, honest people might actually do that. But here's the problem with that as as well. If you do that. What happens to the next person? I talked about this card here. I do have concern that, and it's funny because uh, the professor here says, Jeremy, you do not know the card is trimmed. You only know PWCC thinks it's trimmed. And that's 100% correct. But I'm going to default to that because I think there's too much risk that this card is in fact trimmed. Chain of custody is so important. Provenance is so important in our in our hobby if you are going to have a trimmed card, like I, what I should do is I should send this back to PSA and say, please slab it, but put trimmed on it. Like that would make that, I could sleep better at night with that. And that's because chain of custody is, is great. And it's good to be, it's disclosure is so important, but disclosure only gets you as far as yourself. It doesn't get you past yourself and the subsequent owners of the card who could then be devious and do something dishonest with it. And that's where, we need to be really careful with how we accept trimmed cards into the hobby or if we, not how we do, but that maybe we try not to and we don't. Or you you crack it and you send it in to be graded again and see what happens. See if it gets caught as being trimmed or not. Then you crack it again. You send it into BGS. You crack it again. You send it into it and do a little social experiment with that particular card and see how it comes back. That's, I mean, that's something I, I could crack it out, but to be honest... I'm 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 very I've never been a crack and reslab guy. I now I have cracked one from one company to go into the other company because I want some uniformity in this part of my collection. But I do not something I don't want to give a grading company more of my money to do something to for them to get it to to do. I don't want to pay them twice to do what they should have gotten right the first time. Correct. That just doesn't. That's not how I want to spend my hard-earned money. So I under you know your suggestion makes sense if I if I didn't respect my own money, but I do. So you know, <laughs> now, but I could make the experiment. You're, you what you're what you're suggesting, Dennis, is an experiment, and I think yeah. that that might actually be worthy. But now that we've done this show, um, <laughs> I, I don't know that any Queen Elizabeth sent into the PSA by Jeremy Lee isn't going to be flagged anyway. So the ship has sailed for that that opportunity but i i, I mean it, it's interesting we could do a live like pick a card that's 
someone send us a card. We don't know what it is, and we'll we'll test it out. We'll test the waters for everybody. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Swamp Donkey, off-grid, welcome to the show, says quality suffers when quantity prevails. And I think, yeah, I mean, I made the comment earlier, the restaurant thing, and I'm thinking to myself as I'm saying, like, yeah, but it's probably really hard to maintain that quality. And, and that's just too bad because when you are, and if we go back to the world of like professional services and like um, auditing and that, you know, auditors will literally take every moment they need to sign off on, on their audit opinion. They're not going to, they're going to, even if, even if their client is going to miss a bank covenant due date, they're still going to, or, or they're filing deadlines and they're going to pay penalties. Auditors will either work through the night because that's what auditors do to, to, for their client to not miss their deadline, or they'll just say, sorry, not sorry. We're not comfortable yet. And that's what I think was suggested that the, that the backlog grading companies should have done, but did not do a couple of years ago. And yeah, that's just too bad because in essence, they are our auditors. They are our third party. An auditor is simply providing a third party opinion that a set of financial statements do not contain a, a, a material misstatement. That's what an audit, that's what an auditor's role is in like really high level is to do. And yeah. what is, what is a material misstatement on a sports card? Well, either the, the condition is what it is, or that the, a material a material misstatement is a trim job or an alteration or a modification. So, okay, uh, I think we got we got to start to wrap this up. So JG says, do it as an experiment for the community, Jeremy. I don't think I can. I think I've I think I precluded myself from doing that, unfortunately, just because here we are talking about doing it, and I'm going to assume that someone from PSA has watched this or will. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'm going to go to the bottom of the comments and just see what else uh, what else we have here. If there's anything else that we're going to get to. Uh, Dan says, I've worked through plenty of nights over the last decade. Yeah, big four life, Dan. I hear you. I've been there, done that myself. Uh, Tom Grant, if you know, it's the same Mike Baker that puts... Okay, so I don't know what that's about. And Mookie Chilson would love to see Peter from SGC or Nat Turner come on with Jeremy and talk about what they see on the front lines of this issue. Thank you, Mookie. All right. Oh, I like this. Perhaps a new hobby accreditation entity or auditor could do Dennis's trim experiment as an annual review, take known trim cards and see their performance and report it. I like that idea, Professor. I like that idea. What about you, Dennis? Does that solve what you were talking about? I mean, it does. He'd like to think they're already doing it. Internal audit. Like we, Dan, the car, Dan, the card man keeps mentioning internal auditing. I mean, you got to be minding your own ship and making sure your house is in order. You'd almost want to be conducting that experiment. You know, I th- companies, they try, they, they engineer, pre-engineer phishing attacks and send them out to, to employees to see if they'll click on it. And if they click on it, they have to go through a course and learning how to identify phish emails and things like that nature. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It could be an outside source, like a, you know, it, regulation isn't all bad. You know, I, it, I'm a banker saying that. So, you know, that comes with a lot of um, weight and weight attached to that statement. But I think, I think in this situation, what's going to would give people peace of mind um, would be having some sort of audit done and then having the results published. We submitted X amount of cards. Here's how every grader did same circumstances, same cards. This particular grader scored this, this particular grader scored well here. 
and it gives the public an opportunity to go, okay, I think I trust this company right now based on all this new new evidence and information in this new age, in the digital you know, age that we live in. You know what? I think that if that happens, that is worse for the hobby. And I mean, listen, that's worse for the health of the hobby than us talking about trimming week after week right now. It's because that those results will not be good. They just won't be. And I think that I, I now it would have to be done without being told to the grading companies. Right. You know, you don't tell them when in the year it's you don't tell them it's happening in December. You don't let them know. You don't tell them when it's happening because they're gonna think, they're gonna tighten things up. For you, that think, you, you think the numbers are gonna be alarming. Alarming, extremely alarming. And I think alarming to the to the point where uh, it could do significant damage. I, I personally believe. So that's just my thought. Um, wow, that's interesting. Ricky says, "Will this hobby ever have regulation?" I don't think. I, I think. I think it'll have to be like self-regulation, and and there would have to be a lot of people buying into it. But we'll have, you know, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, Dan says trimmed mystery, trimmed card mystery shopping sounds very interesting. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. It does, but it would have to be the keyword is mystery. You don't know when it's coming. Otherwise, right. otherwise they'll find they'll, they'll they'll slow down. They will slow down their production during the month that the uh, that the that the the study or the experiment or the whatever it's called is is happening. So, okay, I'm gonna turn off comments at least for myself to not see them because we could go on forever here. Um, Mangini did say a while back, how could anyone possibly know the future of pricing? We talked about that before. I, yeah, that, that's that, exactly uh, Mr. Mangini. Okay, Dennis, we want to wrap up the inaugural episode of Taking Stock on the Sports Cards Live and the Sports Card Dad YouTube channels. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you so much, everybody, friends, for jumping on and spending the evening with us. Um, I think we've got some interesting conversation and some takeaways that I know, Jeremy, I will take away from this this episode, and, and w- which will make me think. Um, you know, I, I, it was a fun, it was a lot of fun. I think that uh, both these both these networks uh, communities uh, seem to kind of jive. So, and I, this has been fun working with you, my friend. We got to. This is. The, I look. I look. I much look forward to uh, future episodes and having these types of conversations on the hobby. Well, I appreciate that. Me too, Dennis. You're a pleasure to share the screen with. And uh, this is fun. I'm, I'm really grateful to Dustin. Let's give Dustin a shout out for, um, you know, first of all, you moving your content journey over from the Luca, Lucas Tigers Braun Network over to the Sports Car Dad. And that really opened the door for us to work together, put Taking Stock, this collaborative show together. Um, I can tell you just from... The, the amount of people we've had viewing, the amount of comments coming through, uh, I think this show is, is, is destined for great things. I'm very excited about it, Dennis, to work with you on a weekly basis. Uh, really happy to have and to be exposed. And thank you to, to, to Dustin and, and everything he's built on the sports cards, on the sports card dad, with the previously known as the, the personal finance dad YouTube channel. He's built up a great, he's got, he does great content, daily content uh built up a great audience and i mean i i watch his lives when he used to do them with brad well now he does them with flipping steve he you know uh dustin's done a great job so i want to thank him for building up his his platform and now really allowing us to stream this show to Mm -hmm. both 
his channel and my sports cards live channel and definitely welcome all the sports cards live loyalists to please check out dustin's channel sports card dad if you haven't already i assume you have mm-hmm. and vice versa if you're a sports card dad viewer please check out my channel i go live every saturday 10 p.m eastern with an interview and uh do other things as well so check it out and be glad to have you all join me on my on my on my content journey and now as i share it here with dennis no it's been a lot of fun and we kind of we stand on the shoulders of greats and giants and you know the giant shoulders of cage lawyer that i i was able to stand on <laughs> allowed me to get uh positioned into this place and and to be able to work with uh my friend dustin a wonderful wonderful guy uh great content if you guys don't check like i said don't check if you don't haven't already seen he's got little eight minute clips every day and they're they're fun to listen to kind of recapping the day of the hobby there's a, never uh, a shortage of news and information you can digest and jeremy shows are amazing as well so a must listen um we're gonna keep trying to bring you the best dialogue conversation and engagement with you the comment section which i was a comment section guy at one point so um there's so much value and i still am a comment section guy going other lives and comment all the time I, this hobby is all inclusive and we should all be talking and speaking to one another and having these conversations together jeremy thank you for uh you know taking a leap of faith here with us and yeah, um for sure we're excited. i got i, I want to leave on this note clemente collectors is well done but depressing conversation let's 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 look at this thing glass half full everybody and let's use this as an opportunity to to make the hobby stronger not weaker that's that's really what we have to do we are obligated to do that because we love this hobby we don't want to see the values of our cards come crashing down any more than they already have over the last couple of years so while it's not a fun conversation i think it's necessary and we as a community can now be more diligent and try to weed out the bad actors as best we can and just be careful when you're making your purchasing decisions Thank you guys for joining. Thank you again, Dennis. And uh, with that, we'll see you guys back here on Taking Stock next Tuesday, 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. And thank you so much for making the first episode of Taking Stock a great success. Good night, everybody. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.